Amen. I sure appreciate that, preacher. And uh, welcome, and uh, what a great day it is to be in the house of the Lord. And so thankful that you're here in the Sunday school hour. And again, as folks come in, you're going to get the worksheets to them maybe as they come in. That's awesome. And we'll get our Bibles here, Ephesians chapter number four, please. I've enjoyed getting to know your pastor uh, throughout, uh, oh, the last six or eight months in particular. And uh, looking forward even to September, we already have uh, some dates on the uh, calendar there for family conference. And uh, I'll actually have my wife to come and be with us uh, for those days. And so you'll get to meet my wife. She doesn't travel with me every weekend. And, uh, but uh, sometimes just depending on where I'm going, how long I'm going to be gone. There's some trips I'm gone 10 or 12 days, you know, at a stretch and sometimes just over uh, the weekend. But uh, thank God for good wives that uh, just kind of stand and, and hold the ropes at home. Amen. There's also a grandbaby back in New Jersey. And sometimes she has to choose between me and him. Guess who wins? How, how many grandmas here know the, ba the grandbaby always wins? Amen. And uh, what an exciting time of life it is. And my grandson will turn four uh, here just, um, well, I guess it's next week. And we got a big birthday party that's uh, planned for that. So this is a special and fun time of life. Uh, uh, Brother Buddy, I've not met you. Get to meet you maybe between the services. My, my father is a chaplain at Tomoka State Prison in Daytona Beach. You've met my dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, wonderful. And you know Brother Tom Benson that pastored in this area for many years? They go to the same church there. And uh, so that's awesome. And then whoever he said over here was in Las Vegas. I'm not sure who that was. I, I couldn't see. Now, he was picking on you a little bit, but I'm kind of wondering how he knows anything about that as well. How many other church members you were kind of worried that your preacher even knew about that? Amen? So anyhow... Uh, how many are going to plead the fifth on that one right there, all right? But uh, so awesome. Well, Ephesians chapter number four, we've got to get right into this because uh, these uh, moments go very quickly. And I do want to do my best to help you, your church, and even in this hour, I'd like to really help your pastor. And uh, you'll understand what I mean by that as we get into the Bible study this morning. And because Sunday school is... Um, more of a Bible study. Uh, that's why I've developed the worksheet. I'd like you to kind of stay with me and I'll try to maybe guide you on what you can write down and so forth. But I've entitled uh, this lesson, What the Shepherd Most Needs from His Flock. How many of you know that in the Bible, the office of pastor is also likened to shepherding a flock of sheep? How many of you already knew that or were uh, familiar with that concept? Now, we know that Jesus is called the great shepherd, amen? And uh, he speaks about that in John chapter number 10 and, and the good shepherd and how uh, the sheep know, uh, know the, uh, the voice of the shepherd. And we know that's Jesus Christ. We know that in 1 Peter, the Bible also talks about Jesus being the chief shepherd. And we get that. But we also understand that in the analogy of the different offices that a pastor may hold in a local church, that one of those is that he is called, likewise, a shepherd. And so uh, I believe that uh, I can give um, this message, this lesson this morning, not just because it's very biblical. We're going to go to a lot of scripture. We'll start in Ephesians 4 in just a brief moment. But I believe that also I can utilize 32 years of pastoral ministry myself. I loved pastoring. 
it was one of the hardest things that God asked me to do about 14 months ago is he began to lay on my heart about stepping into this new adventure and uh, I've enjoyed every moment of it and God has been so faithful and has been so gracious and kind and taking good care of my needs. Uh, but to be quite honest, being in a different church every Sunday is very quite different than what I've been used to for over three decades of being in the same church and pastoring the same group of people and may I say shepherding the same flock. And so I've loved what I've done over these years and now I'm asking the Lord to help me as I go to churches like yours and maybe lessons like this that may help you to maybe more fully understand him. You have a great pastor. I hope you know that. This man obviously has been through many trials and tribulations and struggles. Many of you probably have been here long enough to have gone through those valleys with him. And may I say thank you for that. And I know he would say thank you for that. Thank you for standing firm with your pastor. Thank you for loving him. Thank you for understanding the burdens that he carries. And so with that in mind, I'd like to give you a Bible study here and tell, talk to you just a little bit about the gift that God has given Heritage Baptist Church by giving you Pastor Tom Bish. Let's look in our Bibles, please. Ephesians chapter number 4. And verse number 11 and 12, a very familiar and famous passage. And the Bible says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists. And notice the next phrase, and some pastors and teachers. And I want you to notice that there's no period at the end of verse number 11. For the thought continues. And then we find the, the conjunction for... The preposition for, why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Father, I pray that you'd add your blessing now to the reading of this, of this passage. And Lord, I pray that as I would give what you've given to me, that this church would be edified and helped. Lord, in some ways, maybe as I can pastor for a day, as the preacher just said to me a few moments ago, and I, I count that as a great privilege, Lord, to, to stand in another man's pulpit. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand the office of pastor and Lord, for every Christian here to understand the, the precious gift that has been given to them by allowing them to have a man of God in their life. And Lord, I pray that you would bless now this hour. I pray that you would bless the entire day. We surrender it to you. We want to step out of the way I pray that you'll use your word, please, as only you can, to help this church. And we'll ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to write down the first statement there, the, the, the pastor. I want you to write down the word pastor. The word pastor is a dual usage word. And when I say dual usage word, what I mean by that is we've got a noun and we've got a verb. So I want you to write down beside the word noun, I want you to write down the word position, so as a pastor, we know that it can be used as a noun. We're talking there about the office or the position of pastor, but also the word can be used as a verb, and I want you to write down the word purpose. So you're writing down pastor, and then you're writing down position, and then you're writing down purpose. Hold your finger in Ephesians 4, and let's go back, please, to 1 Peter chapter number 5. Now we're going to come back to Ephesians 4 in just a moment. But I want to just begin in the introduction here to, to tell you that the, the word pastor 
is both a position as well as it has a purpose. It can be used as a noun as well as it can be used as a verb. When we talk about the position of pastor, we find a little bit in 1 Peter chapter number 5. In fact, we find uh, another designation for this same office that we call pastor. Notice, if you will, please, in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse number 1, in Peter's writing, and he says, the elders, notice that, we'll come back to that, the elders uh, which are among you I exhort, who also am an elder, there it is again, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now notice in verse 2 what one of the jobs of the position of elder is. Feed the what of God? Talk to me, church. The, the flock of God. Now we've already said, look this way, we've already said that the, the pastor is known also as a shepherd. And here he's likening this office as well as elder, this designation of elder. And he says, one of your jobs, one of your purposes here is to feed the flock of God, which is among you taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. Well, that's a good word right there, Heritage Baptist Church, amen? And he talks about God's heritage, I hope you know that, that you have a biblical name in the very name of your church. Amen? And he's talking about the elder that has this wonderful heritage that has been given. And he says, not as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples, notice again, to the, what's the next word there, church? To the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now, can I do just a little bit of teaching here? And we're going to really delve into it a little later in the outline. But there are multiple phrases or words, terminologies, verbiage that is used for the office that Pastor Bish holds at Heritage Baptist Church. One of those we know is, is Pastor. We call him Pastor Tom Bish. But here in 1 Peter 5, Peter is also likening this same office to, call, to being called an elder. Uh, we also know that uh, because of the position of elder that there is given some oversight there. The Bible says that in verse uh, uh, number uh, two, uh, taking the oversight. Uh, we also see in verse number two, one of his jobs is to feed the flock of God. I, I want you to kind of think about a shepherd in Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And so the green pastures and the still, it's the picture of the shepherd doing what? Leading the sheep to their grazing spot, right? Allowing them to be fed, allowing them to be, uh, to be refreshed. And may I say to you that every Sunday morning and night and Wednesday evening, as your pastor stands behind this wonderful sacred desk, one of his jobs is to feed you the, as the flock of God. That's one of his positions, that's one of his purposes. We know that he's called elder and an overseer, a feeder. The Bible says he's to be an example. Notice that in verse number three. He said, you're not lords over God's heritage. Uh, we are not talking about being a dictator here. I do believe that the Bible is very clear that the pastor has authority in the local church. Or we might use the word leadership. And, and, and I believe that you want to go to a church where God's man is leading the flock of God. Amen. Not dictating, but giving leadership, taking some oversight. You know why? Because that's a part of God's job for him. 
I guess I'm trying to get you to understand, I think, probably what you already know, but maybe another voice coming in to say, your pastor is basically just fulfilling God's roles in your life. He is a wonderful gift that has been given to your church and to you particularly and personally. So number one, we find that the word pastor is a position. But let's go back to our text in Ephesians 4. But it's also used as a verb that has a purpose. Uh, we might use it in a sentence. We, as a noun, we might say, uh, the pastor of Heritage Baptist Church is Tom Bish. That's used as a noun. We also might say, though, Pastor Tom Bish utilizes his gifts by being a pastor or by, we might say, pastoring you, pastoring you. You see, that's a verb. It's being used as the activity. It's being used as what he does. You know, we often, uh, Brother Bish, get teased as preachers that we only work one day a week, you know. Well, he shows up on Sunday and, you know, he kind of works maybe a couple of hours and so forth. Can I tell you the job of a pastor, I promise you, is never done after Sunday. I promise you, a, a pastor that is worth his salt, he is studying, he is preparing, he is praying, he is visiting, he is counseling, he is caring for you, he is administrating the local church, he is giving to you what God has given to him. And may I say to you, verbs are in the active tense, right? That means pastoring is a busy, busy job. And praise the Lord that you don't have a lazy preacher. Can someone say amen right there? You've got a man of God that comes prepared and a man of God that loves you and a man of God that has been here for these couple of decades and he is fulfilling both his position and his purpose. So what are some of his purposes? Look back at Ephesians 4, please. Ephesians 4, verse 11. We saw that there's, these were the different offices here. Pastor and teacher mentioned at the end of verse 11. But notice why you're given a pastor. Notice why this office of pastor is for your, what? For your perfection. Look at verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's his purpose. I want you to understand that as he preaches and as he counsels and that as he prays with you and as he gives leadership here in your church, he is basically just fulfilling verse number, verse number 12. It is for your purpose and your perfection that you are given a pastor. He is to bring perfection to you. Now, we know, again, biblically, that doesn't mean to be what we would say perfect, meaning without sin. None of us are without sin. The Bible word perfect means spiritually mature. Hey, watch. A part of his job is to get you to take another step in your Christian faith. Amen. Hey, I know it's Sunday school. Is everybody out there this morning? Let's, let's nod our heads so I know you're awake. Can you do that for me, please? And you're allowed to say amen, all right? I think you're allowed, even when he's here, you're allowed to say it, even when a guest preacher's here, all right? When he steps on your toes, it may be because the Holy Spirit of God is bringing some conviction to your life through his preaching ministry to get you to be a little more perfect in Christ, a little more spiritually mature. And guess what? Don't get mad at him. I've said this for years. Don't shoot the messenger, right? I'm just reading the message, amen? Uh, don't blame me. Don't be upset with me. If I'm preaching the Bible, take it up with God who wrote it, amen? He's just delivering the goods. Why? His job is to perfect the saints. That's his job. His job is to get you to work in the ministry. Look at verse 12. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. I love it when a pastor is able to preach edification sermons, amen? 
uh, building up and helping you and, and dealing with the problems and issues of life and helping you to take the word of God and to be able to walk even through the valleys of the shadow of death. But you fear no evil for the Lord is with you. How often does he preach sermons that remind you of your edification in Christ? Uh, the power of the word of God. You see, that's a part of his job. So as we get into the next portion of the outline here, so three main titles for this office. I've already given three to you. I want you to go ahead and write them down and they're going to give you a quick explanation. All right, so under where it says scriptural term, I want you to write down first, under number one, the word elder. We just saw that in 1 Peter 5. The elder. Beside that, under definition, I want you to write spiritual maturity. So the elder is one that is to give and to have spiritual maturity. And the application of that, I want you to write down the word preach. So basically I'm showing you that the office of pastor is, is, is a dual focus. It is a multifaceted uh, 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 position here. And one of his positions is to preach the word of God to you. That is what we might call the elder. Uh, when we think about elder, we think about age. But that does not necessarily only mean physical age. I believe it's speaking more about spiritual age or spiritual maturity. Do you know that there can be some young men that are called into the ministry and they go to Bible college and they enter into the ministry. They may not have a lot of experience, but they have a lot of spiritual maturity. I pray for young men often. I get to teach at Vision Baptist College and I'm enjoying teaching preacher boys. I'm, I'm preaching, uh, teaching pastoral counseling, uh, finishing up that for the spring semester. And I have 21 uh, senior boys that are about to graduate. And I pray often for them and I say, God, would you give them wisdom beyond their years? You ever heard someone say that? Wisdom beyond their years? You see, some of these men of God are going to step into the office of pastor and even the office of elder, they may be in their 20s, but if they have been a student of the Word of God, if they have been a man of God, if they have been a, a prayer and a studier of the Word of God, and they're able to bring the passage, they're able to bring the preaching of the Word of God with great power and conviction, they are just ministering in the office of elder, even though they may be in their 20s. I took my first church when I was 26. I had already been five years in the ministry as a youth pastor, but at the age of 26, the ripe old age, amen, of 26, I, I went to Delaware, Ohio, and 35 people voted me in to be their pastor, and I often say, what were they thinking, right, at 26? But I understood my call. I was called to preach at 13. I knew what God had asked me to do with my life and I'd prepared and I'd gone to Bible college and I had been a student of the word of God. I may not have been very old in age, but I hopefully had a lot of spiritual maturity because every pastor has to be able to take the word of God and one of his jobs is to preach as an elder in the church. May I say to you, your pastor is an elder and should be respected as such, not just because of his age, but because of the spiritual maturity that he brings to you the depth of messages, the ability to take the word of God and help you with it. That's one of his jobs. What's another one of his jobs? Well, number two, I want you to write down the word bishop. Bishop, that is also a terminology that we've not yet looked at. Just for the sake of time, we won't turn over there. But if you want to write down 1 Timothy 3, verse number one, the Bible says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. 
And then, of course, if you know anything about that passage, it begins to give his qualifications. A man must be blameless and the husband of one wife and, and uh, his children in ru- you know, uh, ruled uh, well in his family and, and uh, uh, not given to wine. And all of these requirements for what we call a bishop. So what, what is the bishop here in our outline? So you've written number two, bishop. I want you to write down the word overseer. Overseer. That's the definition. The word bishop in the Greek language, it, it, it's, uh, it's uh, episkopos is what the Greek word is. And it means to be an overseer. It, it has to do maybe with what we might say his leadership in the church. We might call it the administration of the church, the guiding hand of the church. And see, this is a part of his job. Well, who does he think he is? I'll tell you who he thinks he is. He is just merely one of God's servants that also has the responsibility to have oversight of this church right here. In fact, we read about it in 1 Peter 3, didn't we? Taking the oversight willingly. Not, not, not begrudging what God has asked him to do. Look, look my friends, every, in a church, someone's got to be the leader. Someone's got to be the administrator. Someone's got to give the guidance. And guess who that is? Biblically in the church, it's the office of, of bishop. What we call an elder, a bishop. What, how, how, what's the application of that? Write down the word preside. Okay, we said preach for elder. We're going to give you the word preside. Uh, that's where we get the word president from. It's someone who is in charge. He presides. He has some authority. Now, let me just, let me just uh, parenthesize here just a moment. Please don't misunderstand me. We understand that the, the chief shepherd is Jesus Christ, right? We understand the one to whom we give honor and all honor is due is none other than Jesus Christ in the church, right? We're not talking about the pastors above, the, uh, above Christ. We're not talking about that. What we are talking about is the human structure. Because Jesus Christ is not here. He went back to heaven 2,000 years ago, right? And he gave us a system, if we can call it that, he gave us an organism, he gave us the gift of the local church, and he said, I'm going to put a pastor, someone that I'm going to call a bishop here, and I'm going to give him some leadership so that he can guide the church, he can preside over the church. The third term I want you to write down is the word pastor. Now that's the one we often call him, the pastor, number three, pastor, The definition, probably you can guess it, I've already said it, it's the word shepherd. It actually comes from the Greek word poimen, means to tend to the flock, the shepherd of the flock. And the application of that, I want you to write down the word people. So so as the elder, he's the preacher, right? As the bishop, he's the presider, he's the, the authority, he's the guider, he's the leader, but as the pastor, he's, he's taking care of you, the people. Just like a shepherd takes really good care of his sheep. Aren't you glad to know that the Lord is your shepherd? Aren't you glad Psalm 23 is there? But we often run to that for comfort, don't we, and guidance in times of great need. Aren't you glad also that God calls the New Testament pastor a shepherd because he likewise is one you can go to when you are in great need? Who do you call when you want someone to pray for you? Probably it's your pastor. Now, there may be others, but I think your pastor ought to be on that list. He ought to be one that you give an affection to, a, a, 
uh, in your heart knowing that he is a man of God that can get a hold of God and that knows God and that can lead you in the things of God. Oh, we didn't say he's perfect. Nothing here did we say that the position of pastor is, is above you. In fact, we're all, even pastors, we're called ministers. We're servants of the Lord, that's all. We're no better than you. But there is a role in the local church. Does that make sense? There's a designation. He has been called to this designation of pastor and bishop and elder. You see, as we said, the Greek language there talks about the shepherd tending to the flock. A shepherd gives protection, but a shepherd also gives correction. Are you with me? Sometimes his sermons in his preaching role... Sometimes his sermons bring correction to the flock, right? Isn't that what a shepherd, a good shepherd does that. A good shepherd feeds the flock of God. We just saw that in 1 Peter 3, right? Now, what does he use to feed the, word, uh, to feed the flock of God? Well, we know it's, it's the scriptures, right? How many of you know that sometimes the scriptures step on my toes and other times they comfort me in my greatest times of need? In fact, I've heard this preacher often, I've used this as a, uh, as a pastor over the years, but um, uh, that my job is twofold. As a pastor, sometimes I am supposed to comfort the afflicted and sometimes I'm to afflict the comfortable. I want you to think about it that way. Those are two sides to, to the job that your pastor has. Sometimes he's to bring you great comfort in, in a time of need or a time of loss. Why? Because he's the pastor and he's bringing protection to you. But as a good shepherd, he also is correcting you. He's a, the Bible talks about the rod and the staff. They comfort me. Remember that in Psalm 23? The staff had, had a little crooked end and it had a straight end, right? So one, he's, he's keeping away the enemy, and the other, he's rescuing the, the lost sheep that has wandered away. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a wonderful job that this, this position has been given for your benefit and for the benefit of your church? So in the last few moments that we have left, I'd like to give you some observations, all right? I think that's where we are in the outline there. Hope you've been... Uh, kind of tracking with me and keeping up and I wanted to lay a biblical foundation. Now I'd like to give you six just very practical thoughts from this message. Number one, I want you to write this down, please. God, and here's the word I want you to write down, appoints, ordains, and sets apart. That's what I want you to write down. God appoints, ordains and sets apart men to serve him in a spiritual leadership capacity. In a spiritual leadership capacity. Let's look at those first couple of words. In fact, Paul used the word that he was appointed a preacher. You know, at some point in your pastor's history and his past, and I don't think I even know the whole story. And maybe at lunch you can tell me this whole story. I, I'd like to hear about your call to the ministry. How did God work in your heart to appoint you, to bring you to a particular call? And can I say, friends, that is one thing that differentiates maybe just the, the what we might call the lay people of the church. And I understand maybe we shouldn't even use that terminology, but the, the church folks, you, the members here, what maybe differentiates what you are asked to do by God and what he has been asked to do by God? I believe there's a call. 
I mentioned a moment ago, at the age of 13, I felt the call of God. It wasn't, you know, weird and spooky and mystical and I didn't hear a great voice that came out of heaven. But because I had surrendered myself even as a younger boy and growing up in a preacher's home, it's almost like Samuel was, was listening for the voice of God. Remember the story about Eli? Remember one night God came to him and he, ran, he thought it was Eli and Eli didn't go back to bed, boy, three times and then he finally figured it out. God's calling this young man. That, that's, that's a call. And every pastor has experienced that in his, in his life and it's not, not necessarily the same in every man's life. But I want you to, to understand that what he does with his life, he's appointed to do. He's also ordained to do. That's also another Bible word. Paul talks about that in the ordination of younger men of God into the, into the ministry. We talk about let the laying on of hands, right? All of that is, is for a particular reason. God has called a young man out and the man has surrendered and then that man is, is ordained and sent out. You think about Acts 13. Remember where these seven men in, in, in Antioch and, and uh, uh, when they found Saul and Barnabas and they, they laid their hands on them, they prayed over them and they what? They sent them out. What, what, what? Sent them to the call. Their appointed ministry. Their ordination. They're set apart. And these men are set apart to serve in a spiritual leadership capacity. Uh, look at it again in our text. Are you still in Ephesians 4? Look at verse 11. We read it a moment ago. And he gave some, notice the offices here, some apostles. Now we know that that is a, a position that is no longer in existence. There were certain criteria for someone to be an apostle. One of which was they had to have seen the post-resurrected Savior. Can I just say to you, that happened 2,000 years ago. Apostles are no longer today. Understand that. There's not this succession of, of uh, or apostolic succession. They're called. No, that was an office in the Old Testament uh, and, and into the New Testament. The apostles, the prophets, that, that was an Old Testament office. Evangelists, obviously we know that, that God's calling men uh, to uh, evangelize in the Great Commission, all of that, and then pastors and teachers. I want you to notice that these are certain set-apart specific offices, and your pastor holds that here at Heritage. Number two, I've got to quickly move on here. I want you to notice that the church is the, here's the two words I want you to write down. The church is the organism, organism versus an organization. It's an organism versus an organization, kind of a play on words there, through which God allows these men to minister. Can I just say this morning, if you're a part of Heritage Baptist Church, in fact, how many of you, you are officially a member, a part of Heritage Baptist Church? Can I see your hand? This is your church, all right? Guess what? You're not just part of, of some old organization like a, a Moose Lodge or the Elks or, you know, some uh, nonprofit that you believe in or, you know, I'm going to go uh, rescue all the dogs. And, and I'm not saying that these things are necessarily uh, uh, wrong. Now, some of them may be. But my point is, it's not just an organization that you're a part of. You're a part of something that is living. Amen. An organism. Something that is living, that's alive. Aren't you glad you go to a church that isn't dead? Aren't you glad that we preach the holy word of God and we preach about a resurrected Savior? I think that's what we celebrated last Sunday. Amen? He's alive. And he lives within my heart. 
You see, you're a part of something bigger than you. You're a part of an organism, not just an organization. Oh, there's probably a lot of people have church membership in a lot of places, maybe right here in, in your town. But it, it does not meet the criteria of what a true church is, a living organism that is on the move, that is moving forward in this culture. Oh, we say uh, churches are archaic and, and uh, churches are all old-fashioned. No, 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 my friend. 2,000 years ago, Jesus set up the church. He ordained the church as the institution by which we would get the gospel to a lost and dying world, and he hasn't stopped that command. We're still going on the last command that Jesus gave us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the gospel brings life. Amen. Can I give you the third one quickly because I'm running out of time. God gives these men gifts. That's the word I want you to write down. Gifts to help the church. I think we've already kind of touched on this a little bit. Some of the positions that we spoke of and the, even the Greek terminology of what it means to be a pastor, a shepherd, an elder, a, an episkopos, a bishop, an overseer, a feeder of the word of God. Guess what? When God asks a man to step into ministry, he then gifts that man to do so. Uh, we, we could talk about spiritual gifts, for instance. How many of you know there's a spiritual gift of teaching? Sure. So a gift of helps. Uh, the gifts were not just given to pastors. The gifts were given to every Christian. You have a gift. You, and you may have multiple gifts, but you have at least one. And guess what you're supposed to do with those gifts? Use them. Right? Amen. Guess what? Your pastor was given gifts as well. Your, your pastor is a very gifted preacher. Amen. That's a gift God gave him for you. That's what I'm getting to. Here's how I want to end this. These gifts were given, God gives these men gifts to help the church, but watch number four, God gives these men as gifts to the local church. We see that in Ephesians 4. Look at it, look at it, verse 11. And he gave, notice that, speaking of Christ, Paul is talking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Christ did so the church could move forward. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors. Get, get this, church, look at me, heritage. God gave you, God gave heritage a gift when he gave Tom Bish to you to be your pastor. As a gift. Not only did he give him gifts for you, he gave you a gift in him. What are you supposed to do with a gift? You're supposed to appreciate it. Amen. Amen. You're supposed to honor it. Amen. You're supposed to enjoy it. Amen. Right? And can I just say to you, your pastor was given to you for you. He was given to you to help the church. He was given to you to lead the church and to guide the church and to preach to the church and to help the church to move forward. And this morning, as I said in the opening, what does your shepherd most need from the flock? I hope that you would understand what you have and to, from time to time maybe let him know that you know what you have. You know, a thank you note might not be a bad idea to tell your pastor how much you appreciate him. You say, well, I'm a pastor. We do that in October, right? Pastor Appreciation Month. I think probably it might be okay to be appreciated other than the, uh, other than the months of October, amen? You know what? I think that would do him a world of good for you to let him know how you appreciate him. You see, I understand that, that this may be hard for him even to hear while I'm speaking. 
specifically for him to even say these things to his church. But guess what? I'm an outsider. I can come in and maybe show you from the word of God the wonderful, precious gift you've been given so that you may appreciate what you have here at Heritage Baptist Church. Can I say this? I travel a lot. I see a lot of churches. There aren't a lot of churches like yours around the country. Happy, serving, spirit-filled, growing. You got a big Christian school. You got staff members. You got a pastor that loves you and preaches the word of God. Folks are getting saved. Missionaries are being sent. Come on now. You get to be a part of a wonderful thing called the church. And God gave you a pastor to help lead and guide not just the church, but you personally as well. God gave them as gifts. Number five, God gives these men for a purpose. He gave for a purpose, verse 12, why? The perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. We've run out of time. I'll just give you the words for number six so we finish the outline, right? The church should allow God to use these gifts. The church should allow God to use these gifts in his life to accomplish his purpose in their lives. So you're writing church, use, gifts, his purpose. What does Pastor Bish need from you? Well, he loves you so much. He lives his life for you. He's there when you need him. Can I just stop and say there may be times that he needs you. Your, your, your pastor buried his wife a few years ago. He may need you to remember that. Uh, your pastor deals with health issues. You, I'm not telling you something you don't know. But he's still in his place. He's still doing what he's supposed to do. Maybe he needs just to have you to remind him he's not, he's not in this alone. In fact, you're not doing this alone. Aren't you glad the church is a team? Aren't you glad we're all family, the family of God? And so I would just encourage you, these short thoughts here, that you'll understand the precious gift that you have in this man right here. He's not perfect. He's not, he's not to be revered or worshipped. No, no, that belongs to Jesus but as long as this man points you to God, points you to Christ, you can follow him. Amen. Father, I pray that you'll bless now these uh, thoughts from your word. And